0: Starting the year off, I think it's helpful for us to focus, to get a focus on God. That's why we're doing this series. The The definition for the word focus in the dictionary is to, is the center of interest or activity or the state or quality of having or producing clear visual definition. And in this beginning of the year, we want clear vision of God and His will for our lives. And we want to focus on Him and what He has for us in this season of life. So last week we talked about focusing on God through biblical meditation in Psalm 1. And we looked at the, the godly person who is directed by God's Word, who delights in God's Word, and who has the dominating influence of God's Word. In their life. And the psalmist describes that person as a, as a tree that's been planted by streams of water whose leaf doesn't wither and whatever they do prospers. And, and what describes that dominating influence in the life of the godly person is that they delight in God's word and they meditate on it day and night. And we gave some biblical definition to what meditation is. And meditation fuels and feeds prayer. Which is what we're going to be talking about today, focusing on God in prayer and specifically praying the Psalms, using the Psalms as a type of prayer book, if you will. It's been said that the most important question you could ever face is how we pray. How we pray Francis Chan in 2015 speaking to over 50,000 college students at the passion conference said my biggest concern for this generation is your inability to focus especially in prayer. And so during this time we want to be people who focus in on God in prayer if I were to ask you about your prayer life how your prayer life is going, or or rather, how are you enjoying your time with the Lord? Are you enjoying your time with the Lord? Are you having consistent times that you're enjoying God in times of prayer? How would you answer that question? I don't want to do a drive-by guilting this morning because I know it's real easy when it comes to the topic of prayer for saints to feel guilt and discouragement and like, man, I'm not measuring up when it comes... this area of prayer. But what I would like to do this morning is point to some help and some tools that we have been given in the Bible to learn how to pray well, to learn how to pray biblically, to learn how to pray from our hearts, to learn how to pray persevering in prayer. Specifically, I'd like for us to look at the Psalms and how they are a tool for us A school for us to teach us how to pray. One of the church fathers, Athanasius said that most scriptures speak to us, but the Psalms speak for us. The Psalms speak for us. The Psalms speak for us. They give us, they give us language to talk to God with. They help us in communicating to God because we all struggle with this. Not only what do we say to God or how do we pray or, or being focused in prayer, but many of us are like toddlers who struggle with their language, learning in the English language. We, we have a year and a half year old, Justice, and it's such a delight to see him learn how to communicate. When he tries to communicate words, he'll, they'll, they'll come out as grunts and groans and points and uh, and temper, temper tantrums if he can't cl- clearly get out what he wants to say or what he's trying to communicate. And so we as a family are immersing him in the English language. And so we say, we say whatever it is he's pointing to. Milk, milk, mama, slit nap, toy, you know, whatever he wants. He can say apple. Uh, yesterday when my family pulled up, and he saw me in the car, in the van. He said, dad dad, very clearly. And, and, and when he said it, the family just has, has this gathered delight. Like, say it again, say it again. That was so cute. You said it so defined and so clear. Dad dad, dad dad. And we delight to see him learning the English language. We want him to be able to communicate well with us. That is a part of being a human being. We have the capacity to relate to one another through language and convey truth and convey love and convey grace, convey joy, excitement, sorrow, struggle. And so we're immersing our son in the English language so that he can learn to communicate well. And the book of Psalms is a prayer language for the church. It gives you and I vocabulary with which how we can talk to God and pray to God in a way that's biblical, in a way that's honest and raw, in a way that hits on all different aspects of our human experiences and emotions. The Psalms give us voice to commune with God. Amen? And so let's start off, first of all, just describing or defining what prayer is before we dig into Psalm 25. Here's a couple of definitions of prayer. Prayer is the pouring out of our hearts to God in praise, petition, confession of sin, and thanksgiving. That's from the New City Catechism. Ed Clowney says prayer is a personal address to a personal God. Tim Keller says prayer is a personal communicative communicative response to the knowledge of God. Eugene Peterson says, prayer is a response to God who speaks to us. God's word is always first. He gets the first word in always and we answer. Okay. Listen to this. Prayer is a conversation. David Mathias in Habits of Grace says, prayer is a conversation, but not one that we start. God speaks first. His voice sounds in the scriptures and climactically in the person and the work of his son. Then, wonder of all wonders, he stops, he stoops, and he bends his ear to listen to us. Isn't that an amazing, amazing privilege that you and I have access to the God of the universe, the most powerful person in the universe, the most wise, loving, kind, gracious, gracious person in the universe that we have his ear and we have access to him and we can pour out our hearts to him and he has started the conversation with you and i saying seek my face and we respond like david your face oh lord i will seek we respond to the revelation of god through scripture to who god is and we pray But even the non-Christian who doesn't have scripture, they have revelation in creation that speaks of God's invisible attributes. And so with or without Bible, we have some basis as human beings to pray to God. But the Bible gives us specific revelation of the God that we're praying to so that we can know Him personally and intimately and have a deep, intimate, saving relationship with Him that changes the whole trajectory of our life. Amen? Amen. Prayer is so essential to the Christian life. It's the air that we breathe as Christians. It's, it's how we live our lives. It's how, it's how we stay connected to the vine. We're, we're listening to God and we're talking to God. We're abiding in Him, Jesus describes it as in John 15. And yet many of us struggle to know how to do this, how to do this faithfully, how to do this effectively, how to do this clearly. And the book of Psalms gives us prayer language. Now, some of you might say, well, what about the prayer of Jesus? Let me quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer in connection to the Lord's Prayer in the book of Psalms. Because our Lord Jesus prayed from the Psalter. He prayed the Psalms. We know he prayed the Psalms on the cross. Oh, God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. He he lifted up his eyes. He did expressed prayers That were written in the Psalms because it was his same Holy Spirit who inspired David and the psalmist to write the Psalms that were written. It's God's word. And Jesus prayed the words of of the Psalms to the Father. God the Son praying to the Father. What a profound thought. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book Life Together makes this argument. The Psalter is the prayer book of Jesus Christ in the truest sense of the word. He prayed the Psalter... And now it has become his prayer for all time. We understand how the Psalter can be prayer to God and yet God's own word. Precisely because we encounter the praying Christ. Because those who pray the Psalms are joining with the prayer of Jesus Christ. Their prayer reaches the ears of God. Christ has become their intercessor. In the Psalter, we learn to pray on the basis of Christ's prayer. The Psalter is a great school of prayer. Here we learn first what prayer means. It means praying according to God's word on the basis of his promises. The whole sweep of the book of Psalms was concerned with nothing more nor less than the brief petitions of the Lord's Prayer. In our praying, there remains only the prayer of Jesus Christ. The more deeply we grow in the Psalms and the more often we pray them as our own, the more simple and rich will our prayer become. Amen. And so one little exercise I want to challenge you to do this week that I've been doing as I've been studying this is. Especially for those of you who know the Psalms. If you're not very familiar with the Psalms, this will be a hard exercise. But as you think through the Psalms and think through the Lord's Prayer, what particular petitions in the Psalms, the book of Psalms, the prayer book of the saints, line up with the Lord's Prayer and how Jesus taught us to pray. The seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. The Psalms address God as Father. Hallowed be thy name. The Psalms have much emphasis on God's name. For your name's sake, lead me in paths of righteousness. Pardon my iniquities for your name's sake. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8, forgive us our sins. The Psalms, Psalm 51, the Psalm we're going to look at today. Actually, as we read through this in a moment, try to identify ways that Psalm 25 connects with the lord's prayer deliver me O god lead us not in temptation deliver us from the evil one okay and so this week i want to encourage you to to do that activity see the connection there usually uh when i pray i often think of the lord's prayer as a as a guide as a filter for directing my prayers i think it our lord jesus has the final say on it right He's also inspired the Psalms for us, and they give us a lot of raw emotion. They give us a lot to express, to put meat on the Lord's Prayer, if you will, to add to the simplicity of that, if you will. Ambrose, uh, a church father, said that he called the Psalms a gymnasium in which we go for daily workouts, keeping ourselves in shape for a life of spirituality, fully alive human beings. Okay, so let's dig in here. So here's the big idea. This is where we're going. Prayer is an essential practice of the Christian faith. And the book of Psalms teach us the language of prayer. Prayer is an essential practice of the Christian faith. And the book of Psalms teaches us the language of prayer. Now we're going to read Psalm 25 together. If you all would stand with me, we're going to read it together and we're going to pray it together. There's petitions in here. There's praises in here. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble. And forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes. And with the violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame. For I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God. Out of all her troubles and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. Isn't that powerful to read that together? Now don't get nervous, but I have 14 points about prayer this morning. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I really struggled to outline and simplify this Psalm. I will have you out of here before one o'clock today. But there's 14 observations and implications that I see within this Psalm that teach us about prayer. If the book of Psalms is a prayer book and a, and a song book, a song, a worship book that teaches you and I how to pray, how to worship God appropriately and biblically, then we can look at the life of David, who was one of the greatest prayer warriors in the scripture, and we can learn how to pray fervently, effectively, honestly, and, and biblically did anybody read psalm 119 by the way this week I, I challenged a lot of us to do that my wife and i read through psalm 119 the other night we, we did a little activity where we read through it we journaled a prayer on it and then we, we we prayed from psalm 119 it's 176 verses you might want to break it up in chunks if you go through it but in it david celebrates god's word and, and has several prayers. But one of the things I've done in my own prayer life is I've used the language of the Psalms. The Psalms have probably been one of the one of the books that I've spent the most time in. I just I have made it a habit without even specifically being taught it um, by any particular person. I just have gravitated towards the Psalms and connect with God through the Psalms. They fuel my worship. So there's prayers like in Psalm 119 where it says, Open my eyes to see wondrous things in your law, o God. Actually, let me pray that real quick. Father, would you open our eyes this morning to see wonderful things in your word. And let it be a joy and delight to our hearts and to our souls. And may none of us who wait on you be put to shame. May we rejoice in you and have exceedingly great gladness in you. Because you are the God of our salvation. You are faithful, you are kind and gracious and loving. And so would you meet us here today, speak to us and draw us in to this ongoing conversation we call prayer. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So the first thing I want to point out is in verse one is that prayer is the lifting up of the soul to the Lord, or uh, as one theologian puts it, the directing of the desire. The directing of the desire. Matthew Henry says this, that prayer is the ascent of the soul to God. God must be eyed and the soul employed. Okay, this is, this is something that's happening from the inside out. Jesus warned in Matthew 6 against having prayer, prayer being merely external and our spirituality being external like it was with the Pharisees. Spirituality and Christianity is about this relationship with God that that happens from the inside out. He says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Listen to Spurgeon on this. Spurgeon has some great commentary on the Psalms. He says this, true prayer must be described as the soul rising from earth to have fellowship with heaven. It is taking a journey upon Jacob's ladder, leaving all the cares and fears at the foot and meeting With a covenant God at the top. Very often the soul cannot rise. She has lost her wings. And is heavy and earthbound. More like a burrowing mole. Than a soaring eagle. At such dull seasons we must not. Give over prayer. But must by God's assistance. Exert all our powers. To lift up our hearts. Let faith be the lever. And grace be the arm. And the dead lump. Will yet be stirred. Doesn't he have a beautiful poetic way of putting things? And so prayer is the lifting up of the soul to the Lord. Prayer is an expression of trust. In verse 2 he says, Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Prayer is a way that we express trust in God. Our faith in God is displayed through talking to him about our greatest fears, hopes, dreams, and desires. If we don't talk to him, then we may be leaning on our own, under, about these things, we may be leaning on our own understanding rather than trusting God with all of our heart. So prayer is an expression of trust. Prayer involves waiting on God. God. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Verse three. Verse five says, for you I wait all day long. When was the last time you waited all day long for anything or anyone? And if you can remember a time that you even waited half a day, you're probably pretty frustrated. Because we are not a patient waiting culture. We are a fast food culture. I'm going to have to use my wife as an example. Just yesterday she was at Starbucks with the kids and that line got long. She was telling me about it and it took five minutes, ten minutes and there were people behind and you know what she did? She bailed that line. She went, It wasn't worth it to get a coffee at that point. They weren't going anywhere. Ten minutes for a coffee, right? And that's just in us. That's our expectation when we go through any drive-through. Is man, get me through in three to five minutes. All right. If you're taking longer than five minutes, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to the next next place. Get what I uh, desire. And so, waiting is a difficult thing for us. We're not used to. It. If you want a book, we have this thing called Amazon, when you can get it shipped to your house the next day or the same day. Or actually, if you can't be patient enough to wait till the next day and you really want that book. I'm, i'm guilty of this i do this then you can download it on kindle right away and have immediate access to that book so you can read the chapters that you want to read in that book okay it's available at our fingertips and what a blessing amazon is Isn't amazon a blessing i mean talk about waiting that's how we can connect with waiting waiting for an amazon package right We order it and the next day it comes in, sometimes two days, some, you know, sometimes a couple days, there's, there's things that can hold it up. But if it takes longer than three or four days, we're like, what's going on, Amazon? You're failing me now. Right? We've been trained by our culture to have this instant gratification. And so waiting for God goes against our grain. Okay? David in three times in this Psalm mentions Waiting for God in verse 21, he says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. I wait for you all day long. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. Isn't this an awesome promise and declaration that those who are waiting for God will not be put to shame and biblical waiting is not passive waiting, by the way, it's not passive waiting. It's it's waiting like you do when you make an order at the restaurant and you're waiting for that dish to come, and and the the waitress or waiter comes comes back by. You know you're looking, and you're are, are they gonna? You're looking to see, do they have your stuff? Are they coming with your stuff? Okay, it's this active waiting. You're you're expecting them to deliver something to you soon because you made an order, right? And biblical waiting has this anticipation, this looking forward, this expectation that God is going to show up. And there's great basis for you and I. To have hope in God for him to show up. David points to God's character, his promises, and his past faithfulness throughout the generations to his people. Eugene Peterson says, waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. Think about how many people in the Bible got in trouble because they didn't wait for God. They got impatient and they thought, we just need to do things this way. Um, Saul, offering up an offering. Um, Joshua in, in making a covenant with the Gi- Gibeonites, right? What is it? Uzzah, who, uh, they were trying to transport the Ark of the Covenant and Uzzah thought he would help God out a little bit or, and, and, and the list goes on and on of, of people who got in trouble when they, Didn't wait on God, but also people who saw God show up for them when they waited on him. I believe this is true that none who wait for the Lord shall be put to shame. None who wait for the Lord will be put to shame. Do you believe that, saints? Do you believe that for you? You might be able to believe it for other saints, but do you believe that for you, saints? That if you wait on the Lord, you won't be put to shame. God will show up for you. The Puritans had this phrase called pray until you pray. Pray until you pray. D.A. Carson talks about this in his book on praying with Paul. And he says, describing that, he says, What they mean is that Christians should pray long enough and honestly enough. At a single session to get past the feeling of formalism and unreality that attends not a little praying. If we pray until we pray, eventually we come to delight in God's presence, rest in his love, to cherish his will. Even in dark or agonized praying, we somehow know we are doing business with God. In short, we discover a little of what Jude means. When he exhorts his readers to pray in the Holy Spirit. Which presumably means it is treacherously possible to pray not in the Holy Spirit. So pray until you pray. Sometimes when we're praying If we were to record them and listen to them later on, we'd be like, who are we talking to? What were we trying to communicate? Like, Lord, you know. And so focus in on the one in whom you're praying and focus in on what you're asking God for. Be specific in prayer, okay? One of the things that I've been doing recently is I've been keeping a prayer journal and I am praying through the Psalms. I'm planning to pray through the entire book of Psalms Writing a prayer out for each psalm. And I invite you to join me. That's one of the applications points. I'm getting ahead of myself. But taking the psalms and writing them out. Praying them over myself, my family, our church, this world. And using the psalms to to give me verbiage. To communicate with God. And have a record of those prayers that I've been praying. And it's delightful. It's pleasant. So it's helping me. To focus in on prayer. To have more meaningful deep prayers. To use God's word in prayer. You see, if, if if prayer really is a conversation that God starts first with us. And we respond to him. If our prayers are going to be meaningful and deep and powerful. Effective according to God's will. Then a part of our prayer time needs to be listening time. Not just talk time. A conversation is two ways. Right? It's not just one-way dialogue. Now, some of us know people that that's how it is when you're engaging with them. It's one-way dialogue. They're not very good at listening. But if you go deep with any relationship, it has to be two ways. You talk and you listen. You ask questions. You dialogue back and forth in conversation. And we experience closeness through that. The next thing is that prayer aligns our lives with God's will. Notice verse 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. What a beautiful prayer. David in the Psalms prays this more than once. Psalm 86 has this. There's several other prayers that, several other places that have this. Make me, show me your ways. Make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me In your truth. And as I mentioned in closing last week in Psalm 1. Jesus is the way. The truth. And the life. He's our path. And he's the one with us on the path. He's the one who makes known to us the ways and the character of God. The one who's full of grace and truth. And if we've seen him, we've seen the father. We've seen glory wrapped up in human flesh. And so the things that he did and the things that he said are displays God's character and God's ways. He's our path and he's the one who's brought salvation to us because of Jesus. God truly is the God of our salvation. He's the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father except through through him. We're saved only through him. And if we've come to know him in a saving, personal, intimate way by putting our faith in him and and what he's done for us at the cross for us, dying for our sins in our place, and we receive him, we have this access to almighty God at any time and our sins are forgiven and we're free. We're free to engage with God and know him as the God of all of our salvation. And then we have even greater basis to wait for him. Prayer involves requesting forgiveness with confession. Verse 7, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Verse 11, for your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. So in this psalm, we don't know exactly what was going on with David. Some theologians speculate that this was later on in life because he says, you know, forgive, don't remember the sins of my youth. Now, we know David committed some pretty significant sins, right? Adultery, murder, tried to cover that up. With, and he repented in Psalms 51. And we have this beautiful confession and this plea. God, have mercy on me according to your loving kindness. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly of my iniquities, cleanse me of my sin. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother did conceive me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in my hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me it goes on and so prayer involves requesting forgiveness with confession jesus taught us to pray forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us okay though we're saints and we're children of god we still sin and if you have a hard time believing that just ask your spouse or ask your children do you think mommy or daddy ever sin uh yeah that one time when you got uh, got mad upset and Ask those closest to you. And of course, God will show you too. areas that he wants to cleanse you of so that you can have unhindered communion with him. He doesn't want to guilt you and condemn you for your sins. Jesus came to bear the burden for your sins by dying for them so that they can be removed. And one of the ways we apply the blood of Jesus, what he's done for us is first John one nine. We confess our sins if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Sin doesn't have to be a barrier for you communing with God anymore because Christ has paid the price and because you and I can continually bring those things to him in confession. Um, prayer involves appealing to God's character. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, your your hesed. It's a beautiful Old Testament word that's used over and over when God speaks of His dealing with His people, His His Emmet, His faithfulness and His Hesed, steadfast love of the Lord. Beautiful couplet. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth nor the my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, your Hesed, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Appeal to God's character in your prayers. For God, uh, one theologian says for God to remember something is for him to attend to it in order to act. It's not like he forgot and he needs your help to remind him of something. He knows everything, right? Right. Prayer involves appealing to God's character. Spurgeon said this, You or I may take a hold at any time upon the justice, the mercy, the faithfulness, the wisdom, the long-suffering, the tenderness of God, and we will find every attribute of the Most High, as it were, a great battering ram with which we may open the gates of heaven. Lord, you are gracious. You are kind. This is who you are. We pray on the basis of God's name. Hallowed be your name and we want his name to be honored and glorified and magnified and he gets the glory when we pray in his name, particularly in the name of Jesus based on the authority and the finished work of what Jesus has done for you and I. And we make that appeal to God's character that has been revealed through his son, Jesus Christ, the one who is full of grace and truth through, through whom we now have access to the throne of grace in which we come confidently that we may find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. Some of God's characters mentioned in the Psalms and most of them are mentioned in this Psalm. Goodness, equity, righteousness, justice, graciousness, faithfulness and love compassion these are all different hebrew words that describe god's character and his ways and his works describe who he is and in prayer we focus in we get a glimpse of who he is we magnify who he is in prayer we think about our father in heaven whose name is holy and to be hallowed and honored we we hone in on that and in light of how great and how good and how gracious and loving he is we make our petitions we come boldly and talk to our daddy. Prayer focuses on God's works and ways. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the ways. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Those who keep his covenant and his testimonies are not sinless saints. Because there's only one person who's walked this earth who lived sinless as a human being. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who keep his covenant and his testimonies are those who are humble. Are those who trust in God. Are those who confess their sins to God. They are those who fear God. Okay, all described in this psalm. They're those who take refuge in God. Those are the ones who keep his covenant that he's established with his people. And for us, it's not the old covenant that we're living under. It's the new covenant, a greater covenant. And in, in the book of Hebrews, as we dive in, we are going to look at the glories and the wonder of this new covenant under which we live. And the privileges that you and I now have just starting in a couple weeks. Prayer involves invoking God's name for your namesake, O oh Lord. Pardon my guilt, for it is great. Invoking God's name. God, your reputation, your name, for your name's sake. This is something the psalmist does often. God, don't let, don't let your name be, be dishonored. So, so act so that so that, that, that the people don't say, well, where's your God? Or in this case, pardon for, for your name's sake. Forgive my guilt. David is wrestling here with guilt in this psalm. And he's addressing it through prayer. He's dealing with the stress of guilt in his life through prayer. Prayer is about experiencing intimacy with God. If I was trying to just do a three-point baptistic kind of sermon, I would have just camped out right here and would have given you three points on those who fear the Lord and worship the Lord. And they are, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him who, him he will instruct in the way he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the Land, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. My three points would be if I was just preaching on these verses that, that those who fear God, God instructs them, they have an inheritance in Him, and they have intimacy in Him. But I'm not preaching a short little sermon this, this morning. I'm sorry. But prayer is about experiencing intimacy with God. And when the Old Testament describes this fear of the Lord, it's describing a worshiper of God who's in covenant relationship with God. Somebody who has reverence and respect for who God is. And there's three blessings, at least three mentioned here in this, maybe four. Uh, he, God's instruction. They, they'll abide in well-being. Uh, they will inherit the land. By the way, this is parallel to what Jesus said in, in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Okay, there's New Testament parallels. I love this verse, verse 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. When you think about this verse, who who in the Old Testament comes to your mind? Moses, Moses is a good one. Yeah, he had, he was Abraham and Moses. Those they were both friends of God, right? Abraham feared the Lord. You know, when when God was going to destroy and did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he was like, how can I do this thing and not tell my servant Abraham about it? And Abraham entered in an intercession. He's interceding. God, if there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, well, there's not. There's lot in his, his family. Lot, well, get him out of there, right? And God destroys the, the city, right? And so Abraham had this friendship with God, this intimacy with God, where he heard from God. God spoke to him and he spoke back to God and God made promises to him. And Abraham was faithful to him. God's faithfulness sustained the covenant. So the friendship of the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. Prayer is about intimacy with God. Not just bringing our laundry list of requests to God. Saying, God, I need this done today, this week, this year. God, can you do all these things? One of the greatest privileges about prayer is that we get God in it. We get communion with God. Not just what he can do for us. We get his presence. We get his nearness. We get his affirmation. We get his smile, his face towards us. In the sense that he's with us and for us. That he's got us. Prayer is about focusing our eyes toward God. David said, my eyes are ever towards the Lord. My eyes are ever towards the Lord. For he will pluck my feet out of the net. Prayer is about focusing our eyes. Focusing our attention on God. And again, this is why we struggle with it. Because in our generation, we've been so dumbed down with screens and our ability to focus our attention has been so weakened through all the messages and all the things that grab our attention our concentration. And so to be effective in prayer, we got to wait on God and we got to focus our ears and our eyes on him and, and, and direct our attention to him and direct our affection towards him Prayer involves pouring out our hearts to God. David said, turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble. Forgive all my sins. Consider how many my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. Here are some of the troubles that David was facing here he had loneliness okay if you've been battling loneliness this is a prayer for you to cling to and pray to god david knew what it was like to be feel loneliness and he said i'm lonely and afflicted this is really hard some theologians think that this might have been during the time where there was trouble with his son absalom and he was uh, absalom was trying to take the kingdom and he's saying, you know, Lord, you know, let integrity preserve me. Uh, this is hard. Uh, forgive me. You know, he's battling loneliness, affliction, distress, guilt. And then he has these foes, these enemies, even enemies who were once his companions. He experienced that. Okay. This guy had some trouble. It wasn't, it wasn't a smooth walk for this guy. It was a hard life. And that's one of the reasons why we find the Psalms so helpful because each of us experience hardships in these, in this life. And we need an anchor. We need something to, to, to direct us, to help us emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and and to get focused and to get centered and get grounded. And the book of Psalms helps us do that. We identify with these emotions, being afflicted, being in distress, feeling guilty. Having enemies, people trying to harm us, attack us. So David was surrounded by troubles, but David took refuge in God. Prayer is taking refuge in God. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. And lastly, everybody says amen. 13 points later. Prayer involves praying for others. He finishes the psalm saying, redeem Israel, O God. Out of all his troubles. Redeem Israel. O God. Out of all his troubles. If you're only praying for yourself. You're missing it. Prayer should go beyond. Just personal petitions. In how Jesus taught us to pray. Remember. He said. Our father. Who art in heaven. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Lead us. Not into temptation. Deliver us. The evil one. And so in prayer, we need to not only be thinking about ourselves, but also the community of faith in which we are in the same family together, especially our church family here. But we should also think about saints everywhere. Saints that were just killed over in the Middle East. Saints in Iran right now experiencing hardship. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 says we should pray for all the saints with prayer and supplications, praying in the spirit. And so prayer involves praying for others, not just for ourselves. It's a conversation with us and God, but it doesn't just stay there. It affects the world out there, especially those who are walking with us in community. And so here's a couple of applications to to wrap it up. Use the Psalms as a regular tool for your prayer time. Okay, use them as a regular tool for your prayer time. Join me this year in writing out specific prayers from the Psalms, taking note of How they connect to the Lord's Prayer. And how Jesus taught us to pray. Write out your prayers. To better focus and engage in praying. This will also help you keep track of when God does answer your prayers. And this will help you say more than. God help me today. God give me strength today. God give me wisdom today. God bless me today. God heal me today. God this is hard today. Those are fine. Pray those breath prayers throughout the day. But find a time and a place. Get alone Quiet with God, get in His word and talk to Him. let him enter into the conversation that he 's already started with you he 's beckoned you. seek my face, respond with your face, O oh Lord, I will seek sing the psalms these These psalms were not only prayers but these were these were worship songs these were this, in this oral culture when everybody didn 't have their own version of the Bible nicely bound for them to take home and have personal devotion times. They depended on oral communication in the assembly and in the families to teach and train the children in the next generation. It was, and it was through these songs. This psalm, by the way, every line in this psalm is a uh, it, 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 at the beginning of it is a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Isn't that neat? And so there's several psalms like that. Psalm 19 has that. Sing the Psalms. God teaches us prayer. Many of the songs we sang today. God, give us a heart abandoned. Can we sing that? Gosh, I was brought to tears as we were singing that. There's that one line: "To you we lift our eyes." Embodies what we were talking about today. In Colossians one three sixteen, not one sixteen, in Ephesians five nineteen, Paul says, "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom." Teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is the early church. This is what the church has done throughout history and is instructed to do. To use the psalms in corporate worship to address one another, admonish one another, encourage one another, comfort one another. And call one another to worship. Ephesians 5.19 be, be filled with the Spirit, speaking psalms and hymns to one another. And so let's be a church church has the word of Christ dwelling in us richly, filled with the Spirit, and we're addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Can we respond in one song? And if you want prayer during this time, feel free to come up. I'd love to pray for anybody, for any needs that you have right now. Here's our prayers, and he answers prayer. Amen? Amen? Lord, would you draw us close to yourself? Show us your ways. Teach us your paths. Show us your glory. May we get a glimpse of who you are. May we see you clearly in 2020. And may we be changed by beholding your glory. May we sit long at your feet beholding you in your word. And answering you in prayer. And may we delight to do so. May it not be a mere duty or drudgery. May it be great delight for us. To be with you in the secret place. And may there be wonderful fruit that comes from our lives as a result of that connection. This year. Church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Happy New Year.